Hello, grace and peace. We're taking Anarchy to Church here on the Anarchist Bible Study. I'm Josh, a.k.a. Iowan Cap. I'm Patrick, a.k.a. the prettiest girl at the ball. Everyone wants to dance with me. That's right. And as you uh, can, as you may have noticed, that isn't Jeff. And um, that's because Jeff broke my heart. And so I'm going to break something of his. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, and, and I did, uh, by the way, I didn't tell Jeff that we're doing this. I have, he has no idea. He's going to find out that I recorded an episode when it comes out on Wednesday, like everyone else did. <laughs> I'm refusing to tell him anything. I'm just, you know, like, oh, let's just, let's just skip this week. It'll be fine. Uh, I'm just, you know, not telling him anything. He's just going to find Patrick in the middle of the screen being like, what? We recorded an episode? No, we did not. <laughs> and of course, if you're watching this, hopefully you've already watched Preambling where you saw my response to Patrick and Jeff's uh, video. Uh, I had a lot of fun with that. And uh, hopefully, and hopefully jeff responded well because we haven't recorded that yet so i don't i i <laughs> uh i i actually dropped a little comment to him on on uh discord and i said uh okay first of all jeff i loved your episode thought it was great you guys were brilliant blah blah, blah. just had to put that out there um now prepare for war because i'm i'm <laughs> I'm, and I'm just the sell sword in the middle <laughs> Going for the person with the highest price, which is just come talk theology with me in in some general capacity. That's right. So I'm I'm just you know I told I'm writing this bit to the end. If there's if there's one thing that we we know how to do here on the Anarchist Bible Study, it's how to write a bit. Yes, into the ground. It's into the ground. Um. So um, I invited Patrick to come on and uh. To, to chat with me um partly to get back at jeff but partly uh because i thought it'd be fun because you know that's the thing is like jeff gets to talk to you but then i don't that's rude um uh and so uh we we were kind of uh um how, how do i say we were kind of like oh what do, what do we even talk about i was so excited to do the episode i didn't think about the other part that we actually had to have something to say um and we just decided what we decided we're going to do is we're going to we're going to kind of go back and forth a little bit and we're going to ask each other a few questions and and just uh, see, hey, you know, like a, a little mutual um, in uh, sharing of of melding of the minds, you know, you know, like uh, he'll ask me some questions about my expertise, which is basically everything. And I'll ask him his uh, on his expertise, which is I guess he talks about apologetics or something. Um, and, <laughs> and we'll see if we can make an interesting episode out of it. So, you know, we'll see if you, we'll see if you guys enjoy this. <laughs> so, uh, it's only, it's only fair. It's, you know, it's only polite to let the guest go first. So, uh, I'm going to let you ask the first question. Well, good, good. Hard hitting, hard hitting ones that I definitely didn't just come up with <laughs> Th things that have been ruminating. So josh I've, I've i've seen you pull out the creeds you you, you you've you've done the, the the triple screen this one says this one and this one has a word that's tweaked a little different i like this one mixed with this one my question though is i feel like this is very roman catholic of us in, in that we we seem to be uh as reformed folks 
uh, just referring back to creeds rather than the Bible. I thought the Bible was the thing that we're supposed to go back to. And yeah, I mean, the creeds have those little those little comments at the bottom that I think are called verses and stuff. But uh, <laughs> but but it seems like uh, when I hear a lot of reform folks talk about um, kind of putting your faith in things, uh, the 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 go to is as our creed says or as our confession says mm. this and this and this so i'm i'm curious uh, obviously we're, we're not talking heresy here but what what's what's the purpose of 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 having this and it seems like we are putting a lot of stock in creeds so much so that there are entire denominations that are that are focused on this and if you change this one thing well you're no longer the the third baptist church of massachusetts you're you're the fourth because we have to break away because uh, uh, powdered donuts were served with coffee and not just the plain ones. So oh. can you can you enlighten me as someone who uh, only later in life have come come to uh, understand the saving power of Reformed theology and you know, uh, and yeah. illuminate me on on the creeds. You know, it's funny um, where I grew up in North Iowa. <clears throat> every single town has at least two Reformed churches. At least two Reformed. Um, both RCA reformed church of America. Um, but they would be like, you know, the first one would be, they'll be first reformed and American reformed every single town. And the first reformed was the first reformed church planted. The American reformed would be the one that decided they wanted to actually do things in English. Every single town has, has it. Uh, and then of course, once the RCA and CRC split, of course that means there was a third reform church. That would be the CRCs who actually wanted to be conservative reforms. And then when CRC started going too liberal, then it became, <laughs> there's also a fourth reform, which is some of the extra, uh, reform brands. But of course, you know, you know, the joke of like a Baptist, um, you know, uh, a guy, a Baptist, uh, gets stranded on a desert Island, of course, you know, and, and, uh, He's, they, they come and save him and they see three buildings say, Oh, what's that? Well, that's where I live. Okay. Where's that? That's where I go to church. What's that third hut? That's where I used to go to church. And, uh, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> um, okay. So, so, so the point of creeds, um, for you know, creeds, we, we usually, um, you know, we'll usually speak of all of them as creeds, catechisms, and confessions. And there's, there's kind of a, a, uh, a utility for each of them. Um, a creed, of course, is a very simple statement of the gospel. That's what it's, that's what it was meant to be. That's what the apostles creed was kind of, um, you know, like the, if, when, when you read church history and actually Jeff talked about this on, on the church history podcast, um, uh, 120 that he recorded for us Well, he recorded for his church. He, he let us use it. Uh, and, uh, but he talked about how like the original creed, I think it was him, maybe it was someone else. Um, but the original creed it was based on this thing called the rule of faith, which was this essentially the gospel that was passed around and it became formalized in the apostles creed. Um, and then the Nicene creed was written kind of based on the apostles creed, but with specific language to address the issue of Christ's divinity. And, and so that's what those two confessions do. And then of course you've got the Chalcedonian definition, which is for protecting Christ's humanity and really the what we call the hypostatic union and so those creeds are all uh, are all very much those are the basics of the faith um and it is and that's what they're there for um we usually don't use the chalcedonian usually we'll use the athanasian creed um which which is um 
half of the second half of it is the Chalcedonian definition put into kind of creedal form. And the first half is really about the Trinity. And so that's what, what the, uh, those three creeds are for is for protecting the center. And, and, um, uh, and that's all it is. It's not, it's not like, um, it's not like it's adding to scripture. It's, it's defining what scripture says in a way that's undeniable. And that's also the, the point of, uh, or not undeniable, unmissable. <laughs> um, and that's the, also the point of confessions, um, confessions at their best. That's what their job is to do is to protect the doctrine. Um, uh, and, and then, and then catechisms actually form a very specific function, which is their job is to teach, um, sound doctrine. Catechism's really like I, I actually have a problem when and um and in fact um I've been looking into the CREC church um just because I'm just fascinated by it um uh and and one of the things that they have is they have a lot of different ways that you can incorporate they're kind of a big tent reformed um denomination and um one of the things they don't allow is to only subscribe to the Heidelberg Catechism. And I think that's actually very wise because that's not what a catechism is made to do. A catechism is not made to be a protector of the doctrine. It's made to teach the faith. And so catechisms in particular, they have a very specific function, which is to teach the doctrine of scripture. That's why the proof texts are, are kind of the most important part of it is that you, you learn the catechism. And the catechism brings to you this, brings this really succinct form of biblical doctrine answering a specific question. And then you're supposed to look at the scriptures and see how the proof texts prove that document. But really it's not about proving the catechism so much as it's helping us to see that this is in scripture. Um, and I would say that's also why proof texts are so necessary for confessions. Um, is that the point of the point of them is to point us to scripture. And, um, and actually I a hundred percent am on board with the, 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 the fact that, a lot of times I do see reformed people like treat their creeds and catechisms as if they're on par with scripture. Like they're a new magisterium, you know, like there, there is a sense in which I've seen that. And I, I do have a problem with that. I, I've got to be honest. Like when people start arguing with each other on the basis of the confessions and the creeds right. uh, and the catechisms and not on the basis of scripture, we should be able to point to these as like, this is what teaches and this is what, this is how we know that we have not transgressed bounds. Um, but ultimately it does come down to scripture. We should be able to point to scripture, the scripture that proves this doctrine. Maybe I'll use the confession or the creed or the catechism because it summarizes the doctrine really well. And that's why what I usually use it for is that it summarizes the teaching of scripture really well. Um, but ultimately if I can't show you where it comes from in scripture, I shouldn't really be teaching it in many ways. Like if I can't, if I can't prove it from scripture um, and that's kind of the point of them is, is to get us to scripture. Mm -hmm. um, at least that's the way it should work. And I, I, I've only um, recently as in like uh, past three years, I've, I've started to, to learn these things uh, because I came out of Roman Catholicism and I don't yeah. want to go back into it. I got out of it yeah. for a reason and yeah. that the Lord saved me. Um, and so, yes, I don't, I don't want another magisterium. I don't want people to point yeah. me to, to, uh, appendix a, I, I, I'm, I want, I want, I want the, the, the thing in there. Uh, but, but the, there are commentaries even on like, um, the, the one that, uh, I went all the way through was Westminster and the, there are commentaries for that. And 
you know, we, we got to the point where um, it's the explanation of the Ten Commandments of talking about both positive and negative aspects to that. And, um, you know, it, there's, um, you know, self-defense or uh, it would be wrong for us to let a child drown uh, in, in because uh, we have a, a positive um, uh, 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 relationship to to go and, and to, to preserve life. And so uh, that was interesting to learn about that there are like kind of commentaries on this about where that's derived from. And we, yeah. and we do see it in, in scripture, right? So, uh, you know, you've, you've uh, heard it said, but this is a new, uh, not a new commandment I give to you. And so th there's this uh, positive aspect to it or, you know, the putting the parapet around, around the roof, like that's, that's mm -hmm. a preserving of life. And yeah. just in case someone uh, randomly comes and decides to sleep on, on your roof, which I guess was a thing back then. Yeah. Um, or, or, you know, uh, the, the, the ox falls in the, 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 the hole and you make the person whole, uh, and, and, uh, and, uh, have, have things like that. So there, there is that danger. And I, I see, I, I, I almost, uh, you know, uh, uh, get hypersensitive, uh, to it. Mm -hmm. And so I just need to realize that, uh, it's, it's a, uh, it's, it's one of those kind of Christian, new Christianese things that I have to learn uh, coming newly into uh, reformed theology here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and, and I would say that that is where I think, uh, sometimes there needs to be more self self awareness among reformed people that like, I mean, what is the difference between you and a new magisterium right now? Like what the way you, the way you're treating the confession of the creed, um, you know, like I'm, <laughs> hearing people hold on to it so tightly that like, well, you're not reformed if you don't affirm the, every single word. And like, if like, as if you take exception to, to one part, therefore you're just reject, you may as well reject the whole thing. But like, like for instance, like talking about the, the five, the 10 commandments, I, if, if I'm, if I'm formalizing my, my ordination in a reformed denomination, which is a very, which is a strong possibility. I'm going to have to take exception to the, uh, the fifth commandment in the, the, the catechism and, um, also to its corresponding, um, place in the confession, in the confession on, on the civil government or civil magistrate. Um, my, my exception on the fifth commandment is that I just frankly don't think it's appropriate to bring civil government into father and mother. I just, I think, I think it's, I don't think it's appropriate and to such an extent that it's it's interesting if you read the catechism on that, it's like they don't actually mention fathers and mothers. They immediately go to like better superiors and inferiors. Like, no, I mean the family is the essential component here. It's like you're, they're skipping over the main point in order to get to the sub point. Um, and and I would have to take exception to that because I think that that would be. I actually think it's incorrect in that point that this is what this catechism is about. No, it has secondary reference to that. Um, since the family is the base, the building block of every other, of all of the society, therefore it, it has a, a a parallel in these things. Um, and also I've, I've said on, I know I've said on the air before that I can affirm every word of the London Baptist confession on civil magistrate. I just know that I don't mean what they mean by it. So I would have to be <laughs> honest about that and yes. say, I, I just know that this isn't what they meant. And so I'm going to have to be honest about that. Like I, I affirm every word, but I mean something different by it. Right, right. <laughs> affirm, affirm. Okay. Wait, hold Ish. on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay. For you. <clears throat> so currently, actually, I don't know where you are in your podcast. I'm, I'm behind, but currently for me, <laughs> 
<laughs> you're talking about classical uh, apologetics. So I want to ask you, Patrick, the presuppositionalist, uh, what is the best thing that classical apologetics has to offer? Uh, the best thing classical apologetics has to offer. Uh, so I, I, th- I think the authors have it correct where the focus is on reason. Um, one of the good things that it does, uh, that it has critiqued, um, presuppositionalism on is the inability for, uh, the, the initial, uh, fathers of presuppositionalism to codify, uh, their, their talking in, in the rational, in, in, into the, into the, 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 um, the type of argumentation that philosophers could take. And it's interesting too because Van Til comes from that uh, that group. Uh, people say, "Oh, Van Til's so hard to 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 read," but it's because he was talking to those to those people. He 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 has a, a time and a place that he's he's focused on. And uh, if you read other things by him, uh, he tends to uh, not be in in that discussion. And so that's why people uh, move on to 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 Bonson is because yeah. he he takes that uh, that. Um, transcend transcendental uh, argumentation and uh, does more application. But um, uh, uh, Habermas has has uh, has said that there's no uh, uh, um, direct form uh, uh, stated that that he would like to see. You know the the if then uh, uh, um, logic of it, and I think that does well uh, when you are talking to learned uh, unbelievers. Uh, p- people who are in the establishment, who you're going to talk to on that level, that you, it, it, it it's not sleight of hand because you're, the, the, the points that you would make with them are the same points you would make with the normal person. You would put more, well, if I talk about transcendentalism, I'm, I'm going to use that same type of argumentation by just saying, well, but where do we find morality from? If, if not from the law, right? And so I'm making a transcendental argument uh, to, uh, to to the to, to to my very good friend, who's a, a great person but an unbeliever. And I want them to to know Christ, and this is the way that I think is the best way of of uh, the the most biblical way that I know of uh, within my own conscience to present the gospel to them, uh, and and I can I can do so with that. But with classical apologetics, someone who is uh, uh, more coached in in that type of argumentation will will get more out of that, and so you're able to then come on to their level and speak that same language. So I'm not talking about um, uh, neutrality um, because I don't believe anyone is neutral, and I think um, um, I, I was having a dis- discussion. Can you have a discussion in YouTube comments? But someone was uh, griping at us by saying, "Oh, you know, you wouldn't have a." That, that type of conversation with a four-year-old. And I said, if I'm having a conversation with a four-year-old, that four-year-old has a worldview. It may not be fully developed. That person might not, uh, that four-year-old might not have, you know, all the, all the dictation to, to be able to, to say, oh, well, I, I know things are wrong because it's grounded in the United States Constitution. Uh, but if they say, well, because my mom and dad told me so, that there's a worldview eked out. And if I'm unable to have that conversation with that person, then I can't go into a worldview discussion with them. Uh, so it, it then uh, classicalism 
does a good job with bringing that reason that that uh, indirect and direct um, uh, type of logic uh, in, into the equation. And I, I think it's good. Like, it, you know, the Kalam argument is for, for all the things that people hate, hate about it. Um, it, it does, it does good at starting the discussion and, and it just gets people talking the same language. What do we mean by nothing from, from nothing, everything came, right? So what was there? It, it was nothing, but it was actually something though, right? Because we all know that nothing brings about nothing. Because yeah, exactly. So, so it, it, it does a good job of progressing, progressing forward the conversation. And, and, um, I, I, I like those type of debates where the, 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 the two parties are, are arguing on that level and they're not talking past each other. And so that's a shared language that they're, that the, the philosopher is going to argue with the philosopher. And a lot of times when you watch Christian and atheist debates now. It's just who's got the better rhetoric. And you mm -hmm. skip over the two 20 minute openings and you go right to the, the cross examination. Cause that's that, that, and, and no matter who it is, that's where the meat and potatoes are for, for everything. Yeah. I, I, I almost watch that first and then I go back if it's interesting enough to, to warrant 40 mm -hmm. minutes of my time uh, to, to, to learn about the, the proof of God or, that God isn't real and I should yeah. have watched those 20 minutes. And so um, I, I think, um, I think classical apologetics does a good job in that uh, formulation of talking as a philosopher to people who would be moved by it. And, and you can do that for both um, logic and uh, for, for the philosopher and for the scientist who's going to utilize those things and without getting bogged down into yeah. uh, you know, well, he, here's the, titration of of the, the the three cells that you need to make in order to make the full uh, phenotype and then etc uh, etc et and you can just start from well we know that non-life produces life correct so let's formulate our our argumentation based on that and so mm -hmm. it rained on the rocks for millions of years lightning struck it all of a sudden non-life produced life correct okay so where do we go from there? Because anything is possible, right? A dead man could raise from the dead. Mm -hmm. Why is that not possible in, in that worldview? And that's where, that's where I think for, for as much reason as, as the classicalists bring, they go back to what, what William Ryan Craig's as second uh, uh, strategy is always a moral argument, which is a transcendental argument. Um, you, you have uh, other people that are going to argue, well, Based on your worldview, how do you define this uh, evil? Oh, well, hold on. We're talking about worldviews. We're talking about standards. We're talking about definitions. Those are transcendental argumentation. So it's hard to get away from that because it's such a good target. And also, wh why, why can't we follow the Bible first? Why do we have to bring it up at the end? Well, we've, we've mm -hmm. argued them to it, and we've shown them this is possible. And so here... Here's here's the the the, uh, the the answers in the back of the book. It was it was in the book the whole time. The book that I didn't really set down, even though I said we would. And so I think that's where it falters. But for the most part, I mean, very very well learned men, and it was a classical. Um, you know, it's it's the 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 OG or that type of new age, uh, not new age apologetics, but like the the new modern apologetics that yeah. that came in fruition until 
uh, the, the very modern period. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. I was, I was thinking for me like this, just, I, I, I think even if I'm not like fully in, into their whole method, I am, I, every time I hear them talk, I'm, I'm like benefited by the fact that it causes me to stretch my brain. Um, and a lot of times I'm like listening to them being like, I mean, like this is where I'm like, I, maybe it's because I, <laughs> I'm so uneducated, but I'm all, a lot of times I'm just like, I don't really see the difference between, between you, two, between us. Maybe that's just because I'm not, uh, as invested in, in the whole debate. Um, I mean, obviously like when, when you state the two baldly, I'm like, Oh, please up. That's, that's what I would be. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, but yeah, I, I've seen I've seen classicalists apologize to unbelievers that they had to talk to presumps, and okay, granted there's annoying people, but hey, guess what? There's annoying people on every side. I'm not going out there and apologizing, uh, you know, to to atheists that they they once had an argument uh, using uh, a common uh, uh, argument that uh, William Lane Craig has done. Never been like, well, I'm sorry that you've had to deal. The, the the suffering of of dealing with that person oh can't believe it good now now we're on good terms right like <laughs> no yeah. just you know just just disagree just just disagree this, this yeah. whole this whole uh, uh, apologizing in your apologetic is yeah. kind of embarrassing <laughs> yeah I, I mean honestly like this kind of a thing of like i uh, it's gonna take an obviously egregious uh thing for me to ever ever apologize for another Christian. Like I've just kind of learned that, it, that even like nine times out of 10, the thing I'm apologizing for is for them being a church. And so like, you know, or, or like I'd be apologizing for their perception of something, but like I'm hearing them talking and be like, I might've done the same thing that this church, <laughs> that this church did that you think that, you know, abused you. And so I just, I just know it's just, it's just kind of, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I'll criticize other Christians. Obviously I'm good with that, <laughs> right. but I'm never going to be like, if I'm talking to an unbeliever, like, Oh, I'm really sorry that you were talked to by that independent fundamentalist Baptist. They might've been perfectly nice people. I know, I know nice people in the independent fundamentalist Baptist, you know, world, just average everyday church attenders, very nice people. Like I'm not going to yeah. apologize for a fellow believer. If I don't know that they did anything wrong. Right. And I'm going to assume and, they and, didn't do anything wrong until I find out otherwise. Yeah, it, 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 William Lane Craig, brilliant person. Tony and I would both agree with that. And, and we, we love watching his debates. We, we you know, we, we, him and I have sat at, at, over a, a crackling fire and, and have listened to William Lane Craig debate people. And we've, we've done our, oh, I can't believe he said that. And he does a really great job of, of, of dismantling, uh, you know, just, uh, just where the argument, falls apart but i'm you know i'm gonna disagree with him and he's going to be used to that because that i mean that's his job he, he's he's used to people disagreeing it's, it's like arguing with a lawyer you, you don't have to apologize to a lawyer that that that's their job they're used to it but mm-hmm. it's a different thing when i'm like oh boy but you know Wimlin craig he might believe in the b theory of time and i i think that i think that makes him not not a believer in christ so i i don't know i can't i just can't have fellowship like you, you really have to do something so obvious that I'm like, well, I mean, that they're, they're just not a Christian, you know? Yeah. 
like yeah. like like a Peter Ettens, like where, where you just deny everything and you're like, well, for, except for the salvation things, and you're like, but maybe not even that, and I can't yeah, even yeah. give you an explanation for that. Like, yeah, okay, I'm I'm more apt, but at the same time, it's like someone's deathbed confessing to me that they're a Christian. You know, I'm gonna take their word for it, and I'll be like, well, you, yeah, well, it was a Christian. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. All right, your turn. Okay. Um. Uh. How how many years? Uh, do you have to be in school to be a pastor in school? Yeah. So like you, you sink a bunch of money into it. Uh, what I'm asking is what, what, four years, six years, eight. So we can call you doctor. You can just perform CPR. <laughs> uh, okay. So I believe heavily in, and, and I know, you know this because we've talked about this with you before. Um, I believe heavily in pastoral education. Sure. I, I don't. I become less and less convinced of the need of the need for pastoral schooling every year. Listen, th th this is my setup to my question. So I just need you to tell me formally how how many how many months, days, eons did it take for you? To, to, to get the, the, the blessing of the seminary. Well, I <laughs> did, uh, you know, did, well, I mean, I could have done it in seven years, but I had to, I took it, I took nine. Um, okay. But so almost a decade, I, I need you then to take your almost decade and reveal to me your secrets of the proper way to prep that you prep for a sermon in that we commoners can take those methods that you're going to divulge in this Q and a and, and tell me how you break it down. And are we just really just listening to a whole bunch of people reading commentaries and citing them back to us so that we're almost like the Talmud where we can say, well, this person you've never heard of, but I really like the way he says something because Logos told me to go look it up. At, at what point? <laughs> at, at what point do you write your own commentary where you're like, no one has said this before? That's not also heresy. That people need to know about this. That I'm going to put my name on all these books. So are we all just listening to commentaries? But really, like my question, my legitimate question is, how how do you study to prep for a sermon that we commoners can then take that same kind of cookie cutter one and approach scripture where we really want to delve deep and give it the proper okay. respect that you yeah. do. Um, and it's all just commentaries. <laughs> you know, honestly, like I, I, I'm one of those people who I save my commentaries for last. I'm, I'm a strong believer in, in like, don't, don't read a commentary until you've got some kind of a grip of the passage. Cause otherwise you're not gonna, because the truth is you're going to read a bunch of commentaries and I'm, I'm a big believer in, in reading broadly to so read a bunch of different commentaries from a bunch of different angles. I benefit greatly from liberals because they, they can sometimes be some of the most in-depth students of, of various aspects. They come to horrendous conclusions because they don't actually believe that the text in front of them is inspired, but um, they do, they do, yeah, but I don't know if I'm ready to read that or to 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 compare between commentaries until I really feel like I've um, 
until I've got a handle of it myself. So, I mean, for me, this is where I think, you know, again, I'm very firm believer in pastoral education. I don't know if I care that much about schooling. Um, and one of my contentions is I think anybody could learn to use the tools that we use. Like, um, you know, I've got, yeah, I've got a bunch of, I'm trying to remember where I put them. Okay, I don't know where my Greek version is, but I've got this. That's, you know, Learn Biblical Hebrew by John H. Dobson. And he did also learn biblical Greek. And it's not a super di uh, a super difficult, thick book. Um, and and, and it's, it's, uh, it's very, actually, simple reading. Like, he kind of walks you through it really, really in, a, in an amazingly slow way careful way like you could you could learn biblical hebrew and biblical greek today and um you know i'm actually i'm kind of working on a project and and i hope i can put it out before sooner rather than later um but i, I want to actually work on a project where i do kind of a a very easy uh greek via youtube class like it's, it's, I think you could do it from home. Like it does the, the benefit from official schooling is, is the, the fact that there is a grade coming at the end of the class. So you've got, um, a, a little bit of a fire under you. So you can't, cause I think the hardest thing is when you're teaching yourself something is you drop out. It's a little easier to drop out, you know? Um, but, but learning like learning Greek and Hebrew is very doable and, um, getting a hold of logo software, like logos, it costs a pretty penny. But, but from what I understand, they're going to work with you to, uh, help you to afford it. Like they're, they're not going to just, um, like most of the time from what I understand, um, like at least this is how I did it. And I think they still do it this way. You can actually pay off your logo software gradually. So yeah. you could yeah. get the logo software and pay it down at a small amount a month, you know, um, maybe, maybe well, there, the there, class there are different tiers. It. There are different yeah. tiers like you you can just get the base program that has the base thing that is really helpful and then you get like a free book a month and now it's like two or three sometimes yeah 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 if you keep a lookout for those they give you a lot of they live, a lot of freebies um but and then yeah and then you just add and then as you pay off uh the the pat the tier that you are uh, that you're coming off of you add another tier or you do what i did which is that um my my logos salesman just kept contacting me being like hey you know you're at the point where if you uh upgrade now we could actually lower your price per month just do it i got you know it'd be like extending it longer how long we had to pay it off but I'm like i don't care it's just a little bit of money every month I'm, I'm making enough that i can i was at least making enough that i could pay that off so i was like yeah yeah let's keep moving up and, um, but also there's a free version. Biblehub.com is a free version of logos that is really good, really user-friendly. And I think it's, it's just, it's really simple, really useful. And so you can start doing Greek studies on your own, uh, through Biblehub.com. Really good. Um, there's a new app that I was just turned on to by, uh, by our, our buddy, Benjamin. Um, I'm trying to remember what it's called. Um, 
back in my day, we had eSword. It was free. Uh, you, you could download it on floppy yeah. disk. That was actually not floppy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So four four megs. So the um, claypotfrog.com. Um, it's this is 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 what it's called is the website you can get it from. I don't think it's in any uh app stores, but um, it's called. I think it's just called the uh Greek study app. And it's a really great, I think it's, I actually think it's re- what it's really good for is for downloading while you're learning Greek. Is it, it they do more uh, morphology charts that you can use and, 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 and study the, the way the verbs are formed. It's a really useful app for an aid while you are even teaching yourself or, you know, the great thing, just go, I always say this, go ask your pastor, your pastor would love to teach you Greek and Hebrew. Like your pastor probably like if you're if you're in any kind of a reformed ish world, they're probably already a Greek and Hebrew nerd and they would love to teach you or someone at your church probably would. Um, and or, or just grab a buddy and say, hey, we're going to go chapter by chapter through this. We're going to hold each other accountable to make sure that we keep going and and, and we're going to go until we get done with this. And then after we're done with this, we're just going to read. Um, this is, I was in a Bible study and this is where I learned, this is actually where I developed a lot of my skills in Greek and Hebrew is I was in a Bible study that met every Saturday morning where we would just open the, the Greek new Testament to wherever we left off last time. And we would just go around this, the table. Each of us would take a verse. We would read it first in Greek and then we would translate it. And then if we mistranslated or missed a word, someone else around the table would help us out. And, and sometimes we would stop and have conversations about the verse. Sometimes we just keep going. Um, and then once after, I think it was like we were there for an hour. So after a half hour was up, we closed the Greek book, opened up the Hebrew and started where we left off last Hebrew, last time with Hebrew. And you can do that with a buddy. You and another buddy can can go through um, Dobson's Learn Biblical Greek and Learn Biblical Hebrew or grab um, pra- the Pratico of Impelt one for Hebrew. And um, oh gosh, I'm blanking on who did the... Rob, uh, the mounts, uh, Greek. I knew because, because I have his revelation commentary over here. Um, <laughs> but he, but he, you know, those books are great. You can do that with a buddy. And, and then, you know, after you and your buddy have been reading the Bible together, you find someone else who's like, Hey, I want to re- learn Greek and Hebrew. Well, Hey, come back over. We can review our Greek Hebrew and then you can join our, our study group. You can just, you know, read along. Maybe, you know, maybe you start with like, maybe you start with the Dobson and then he sticks around for the Greek and then he leaves for the Hebrew. And, that, and that's how you do it for until, until he's confident with the Hebrew enough that you can work onto the Hebrew, you know, whatever you want to do. There's, there's lots of ways you can do it, but you can, you can do it yourself. And it's and honestly having that is a huge step. Like that's just a big thing that I do. And it's not that I week by week end up deciding I disagree with the ESV. It's the act of slowing down and reading that Greek and Hebrew and really getting the mentality that the Greek and Hebrew get gives me that enables me to get a lot, get a lot of what I get out of this passage. And so just slow down and read. That's really just the big thing is, is if you want to study like a pastor does, just slow down and read the text, take your time, um, you know, if you, uh, if you're, if you're leading a Bible study, just be like, I'm going to read this thing six times before I even touch my lesson plan. You know, like that's, that's, that's most of what we're taught to do. 
And that's what the use of commentaries are is I'm reading from someone else who slowed down and read it carefully. And maybe they also have done some research into the backgrounds of the text and they, maybe they, they probably know Greek and Hebrew better than I do. Cause they've been teaching it for years and, and took advanced studies in it. And so I'm, I'm not going to say there's no advantage to doing academic work, but I think you can get the minimum education to be a pastor without going to seminary. Um, I don't think seminary is necessary. And in fact, in some ways might actually hold you back. So what you're saying is the people in the pews, once they spend hundreds to thousands of dollars on logo software and then learn Greek and Hebrew, only then can they match wits and, and study the Bible like you. So when I come across the passage of the Laodiceans, I, I read, so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Well, that, that tells me, if I'm just reading it plainly, that uh, Jesus wants me to either be a believer or an unbeliever. Except I have to turn to the commentary where it tells me that, oh, Laodicea is where the mixing of this, this water comes, where the, it's good, either it's good hot or it's good cold. And I'm just supposed to know that because the commentary has told me. But there's no like citation in that commentary to be like, if you want to know this is true, go to history book a and right here it says good not not good yeah lukewarm bad so be, i'm i'm just saying to be clear it, it the, seems the like question we, was we we do the commentaries where yeah. we get a lot of a mileage out of that where i go oh well the the historical background to 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 put me in the mindset of who the audience was or who this was being written to uh, I, I'm, I have to rely on these commentaries to yeah, get uh, yeah. the most out of it. And then I have to learn Greek and Hebrew and spend hundreds of dollars on logos. To be clear, the question you asked me was how do they get on my level? Yeah, exactly. So there is a truth. I'm, I'm going to be, I'll be honest. <laughs> unless you do that, you're probably no. I mean, it's, it's true. There's a, there's a truth that, that unless you do that, you're probably not going to be on the same level of comprehension that I am. That's, and that's okay. Like there's a point at which that's, that's what pastors are supposed to do. Like that's, that's their job is to kind of it, like, honestly, I have a problem that there are pastors out there who I don't think know much more about the Bible than their, their congregants do. And so if I'm, and, and that's part of the, part of the reason I put in so much work is because I know I am so much younger than all the people I'm going to be preaching to that. I better be super confident in the text when I go up and, and preach, <laughs> if I'm going to, if I'm going to be able to stand up there with any, any sort of feeling of, of authenticity, say that I can tell you what this text says, I got to know it really well. And the truth is, yeah, like if it's true, like it is kind of true. Like that, if you want to get on my level where, where I'm, where I'm working, yeah, you need to learn Greek and Hebrew just, just straight up. Now, if what you're asking is, can I understand the Bible without Greek and Hebrew? Oh yeah, absolutely. You don't need Greek and Hebrew to, to know the Bible. And, and even like some of those hard passages, like the lukewarm thing where you're, you're probably not going to understand that unless you know some of the historical background, you take the whole paragraph. You're going to figure out what he's talking about though. You know, like you, you just, you don't have to know what specifically lukewarm or, or even like something really complex, like the, the question of, of head coverings. Like even without knowing the historical background, the, the, the Greek and the Hebrew or not the Greek and the Hebrew, not just the Greek, the Greek behind it, the cultural practices, you get clearly that this is about headship. This is about male headship over the, over the family. That's pretty obvious. It's pretty straightforward. You can, you can figure that out. And then, you, you know, the reason I'm saying that 
your pastor would love to teach you Greek and Hebrew is because I have hope that, that every pastor in, in the country would love to teach you Greek and Hebrew to take you to that next level. Um, and, and, and would love to, if you're tr- wanting to do like a Bible study, a deep Bible study on the book of John that I, I can kind of point you to a few commentaries that like, these are really good ones and they're going to really help you. Um, and, and maybe even point you to one or two that I'm like, this is not a good commentary, but it's going to challenge you, you know, if it, but I'm and of course, hopefully the pastor knows you well enough to know like, okay, he can take a challenge. He, he should, he should take a challenge or, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to keep them with the simple one. I'm, I'm going to give them RC Sproul's commentary and that's it. Um, cause I want to make sure that they're, they're saying with the good stuff. Um, but, but like, I mean, there's a, there's a point at which like, we're always just kind of, um, testing ideas like everything has to be there's no way to go deeper on anything without interacting with opposing ideas testing them and trying to and and working out like okay who's got the stronger argument here and and so the question was what should a pastor do uh or how do you get on the level of your pastor yeah you're gonna need no greek and hebrew um but strong's works right strong's is good strong's is good (laughs) it's not the same thing though um, because there's, there's something that you gain from actually learning the rules of Greek that you, you can figure out. Like for instance, you look at Strong's and you see it could be translated in all these different ways. Yeah. But you don't know when it's going to be translated this way, unless you know the rules of Greek and Hebrew. Um, right. but I would also say like, you know, a simple, like a study Bible, man, like you get a good study Bible, like the Reformation study Bible or the ESV study Bible is a really good one. I like Reformation a little bit better cause it's a little more high octane reformed, but, um, but they're both really good study Bibles that are going to give you solid background on on where where it um where a book was written or also you've got um these kind these books um carson and moo uh and longman and dillard did these these little intro to the old testament intro to the new testament these were my textbooks for my old testament uh in new testament survey classes but they're not written for scholars they're written very much on a layman level like i i bet you could get a lot from this that's that's gonna also give you a lot of really good background information um and then also like right here there's a book you know some some of my favorite recommendation books are right behind me just happens to be that way but you've got um uh you've got a living by the book by howard Hendricks, and that's it's a little dated but still slaps like it's still really good for just a really good explanation on how to study the Bible, or if you want a, a, a more up-to-date and maybe shorter version of it, it's uh, reading the Bible one-on-one by David Helm. It's basically this, but just more updated and kind of simplified. Um, so, so maybe read reading the Bible one-on-one by David Helm and then follow it up with Howard Hendricks living by the book. And that's nothing Greek at all. That's just reading the Bible in English. And it's going to give you really great tools um, to study. Um, on that note, there's also... Uh, yeah. How to read the Bible for all it's worth and how to read the Bible book by book by fee and Stewart that are great starter books as well. And, and that was one of the things that I was shocked by in seminary is how many of my textbooks were like, this, this could easily be lay level. Like it's not, it's, it, it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's really like, I, I could give it to anyone. It's not, it's not speaking ha- highly technical language. You could read it and, and learn and get a lot from it right now. Well, and I, I, I'll I'll add something that I know you agree with because I've heard it said by you, and I'm surprised you didn't remember your own quote. But man, I like to chew on a verse. I want to chew on it. I want to. If I don't know it, I'm going to chew on it some more. So that 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 slowing down thing is is absolutely true. I, I went through. Yeah. I I was I was destined 
myself to learn everything that I could about Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Difficult book. You're 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 almost in two worlds, right? You're yeah. you're the the audience is the Hebrews, <laughs> the, the people, and uh, the and your your um being being taught uh, uh this by uh author unknown uh that that is making some very big uh big claims and i took i think four to six months and just read it and i, I would read up to a point where i'm like mm, i don't know exactly where we're at in the point being made or what's being said or what the background might be and stop and then yeah just read it again and chew on it and mm-hmm. come back and yeah i mean um here i do have to rely on more learned people to to give me that context because i was i was unfamiliar at the time with a lot of the things that um were being were being talked about like what why are we starting with the angels and and this t- type of of divine aspect and then like what what is it with with the 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 priest and the sitting sitting in the temple i, I didn't think you were supposed to sit in the temple like well yeah that, that's the whole point that's the beautiful part about it and that that, be, that becomes one of my favorite passages there is is uh you know where's the seat well it's it's right there it's the mercy seat and so yeah it, it's 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 one of those things where um the the, the hard passages tend to be hard for yeah. for for a reason and it's yeah. almost like we're, we're we're coming into uh an inside joke and we just need to to kind of familiarize ourselves with like oh i'm going to tell you the story about um stadium drive in kalamazoo being a place where you could never find a car to to save your life but stadium drive is just filled with nothing but car dealerships so for me that's hilarious and would laugh and laugh but for you you're like i have have no clue but yeah i'm gonna tell you that stadium drive is just filled with car companies all right now i know (laughs) uh it's uh and, and that's really what i say one of the major advantages to knowing greek and hebrew is that it forces you to slow down and chew. You know, the re- one of the reasons that I, I always translate every single passage I preach. I don't preach a passage until I've translated it myself from the Greek or the Hebrew. Um, and I don't, I also say the same thing about anarchist Bible study episodes. I don't, one of the reasons why it takes so long between revelation episodes is because I don't want to go on until I know that I feel confident that I know that I could read, um, that I could read the Greek and translate it on the fly. Um, and, and, and the reason I do that is because that's what forces you to slow down and chew on it. And, and the same thing can be found can be, can happen by memorization um, or just by reading it over and over and over again. Um, I like, I like memorization and in, in Greek study and Greek and Hebrew study for, for the reason that you can't skip over it. It's so tempting that even if you're reading a verse over and over again, you have to skip over it. I can't skip this. I haven't translated it yet. <laughs> I haven't memorized it yet. Um, I haven't turned it over in my mind six times. And so I, I can't move on until I do. Um, and so, yeah, that chewing aspect, like that's, that's part of the main reason why I'm such a big advocate of learning Greek and Hebrew is because it's, it is going to be, it's one of the greatest ways to, and it's just, honestly, I got I say it all the time. It's fun. If you're not getting graded on it, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and so, so I mean, man, just why not? Yeah. Get a, bu- get a buddy, go, go grab that James or John. I say James Dobbins, John, John Dobson, learning biblical Greek and learning biblical Hebrew, go through it together. It's go through it very slowly. Just read it together. 
Um, there, you don't have to do homework. Just read it together. Take it slowly. If you don't feel like you understood a sentence or a section, go back and read it again. Uh, review frequently. Take your time. It'll be a lot of fun. And in the end, you, you've got this, this um, indispensable skill for, for slowing down and chewing the scriptures. Well, let, let me add one, one last bit of this question to, to, to squeeze the, the, the lemon juice out of it. The, 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 in the middle of the page on, on my Bible, it has all these references that I'm supposed to go back to like the Old Testament. And it's like, oh, look, this is kind of like this, or this is this word. But uh, as we know, the, there was not chapters and verses, and there was yeah. not, uh, you know, the, the, the middle column with the, the things on, underneath. So when, when John happens to use two words that this, the phrase is, and then I'm supposed to go to Hezekiah, and it's like, oh, he was referencing this, absolutely. Yeah. And the only way that I know that is because that note has taken me there. Now, for, for big passages like uh, John 12, right, when he's like, Isaiah saw Jesus yeah. uh, um, and the, yep. at this time. Well, when did he do that? Well, clearly that is like a reference to Isaiah 6. Yeah. That's the only time Isaiah sees some, some divine sovereign there. And so there's that. But then there are ones where it's like, ah, here's a word that was used here. How, mm. how do I know that uh, Mark has in mind or Peter has in mind that one word from Daniel that he's bringing over and he's like, ha, you're supposed to know this learned person who's reading this. I would say that you're not supposed to know that. That's, that's part of the reason that they're um, but this is, again, this actually goes back to our, the, your first question. Is this, is this the secret Bible code? Uh, uh, no. where I find my name and then like around, which I, I never was able to find my name. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Germans aren't allowed in, yeah, in the not. Hebrew Bible. Uh, but, but like, um, this is, this goes back to the first question of like, this is why we've written these things. We've written creeds and confessions and catechisms is because, um, the truth is, yeah, you could start from square one and just read every page of the Bible over and over again and make those connections between, New Testament and Old Testament on your own. And the truth is, here's the deal. Your cross-references are not getting every cross-reference. Um, there are other cross-references that your your cross-reference isn't going to get. That's why I like looking at different... Uh, actually, why I like looking at parallel uh, translations is I like checking their cross-references and be like, oh, they saw a different passage cross-referenced here. They didn't see this passage. And so I can kind of, now I know where the controversy is. That's another thing of looking at the parallels is that if you see, they translate a phrase a little differently between two literal ish translations, you can all say, Oh, there's controversy here. Now I know to look that up on Bible hub. Um, but like you could start from square one and do, and do all of this work. Um, but we have, we do have 2000 years of church history. Um, and, and 2000 years of church history, church history is, at best 2000 years of people meditating on and preaching the word of God. And, and that's, that's really the best view of what church history is. Um, besides just trivia, like that's, that's really <laughs> what it is, is it's, um, you know, look at, looking at, um, how the church has interacted with studied and tried to live out the Bible throughout history and sometimes failing, sometimes succeeding and, and creeds and confessions and catechisms are ways that we can kind of see and, and, and studying Bibles and cross-references and commentaries are ways that we can see the way the, the, the corporate mind of the church has meditated on this passage. And, and 
Yeah, some of them were wrong. Some of them are right. Some of them are maybe right. Some of them are maybe wrong. Some are a little right and a little wrong. But but and and, and there's there's no there's no replacement for just thinking through it and and taking in the information and trying to like really prayerfully study it and consider it. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that is just commonly accepted, um, at least through what we would call conservative Christianity that you can you can learn a lot from. And, and, and it would kind of be, it would kind of like be, you know, one of the things like, I remember I did construction for, um, I think it was like six months or something like that. And I was just awful. And I remember one day it was like winter and we were building this building. Um, it was going to be a veterinary building. And I was like drilling this awful hole through like, there's like six boards that were all like nailed together and they're like draw you need to put a hole here and i was drilling just a terrible hole and the guy got and, and this kid who's first of all he's younger than me and so that was super embarrassing but he comes over to me and he's like dude dude here just just hold on here he pulls out my my square uh my you know my square and he says here you take this you measure up you mark it here there's where your hole goes in this hair this is where the hole's gonna come out this way and you draw a straight line across and now you know where to put your your drill and he's like, and he said this, this phrase that I was like, like, there's no way this 20, this young 20 something kid could know how brilliant what he was saying. But he says, you're leaving all of your tools in your belt. Like you're trying to do the work with, by, while leaving your tools in the belt. And I would say that's what we're doing. If we're not trying to use these, these resources, like you, you're leaving all your tools in the belt. Yeah. You could figure out how to eyeball a, 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 a a drill hole right through six boards. But if there are tools available to do it, you know, don't leave those in your belt. They're there. And especially in the internet age, they are so readily available that you could find great classical commentaries for free on, on CCEL.org. You can find these amazing classic commentaries there. You can find a lot of classic commentaries for free on, on logos. You could get, the base online, like not even the base software, just the online free thing and get a bunch of free, uh, free commentaries there. You can just scour the internet and find free commentaries all over the place, have them all collected in different places. And you can use these great minds in order to, to dig deeper into the, to the word and to chew it in. And and that's where I'm just like, I just think it's, it's, um, yeah, if, if you've got tools available, use them. Um, but you don't, need them like you they're not going to change the meaning of john 3 16 like that's that one's pretty settled uh they're not going to change the meaning of first uh, corinthians 15 1 through 4 which is the basic gospel like you, that's that's going to be pretty settled um you know but it, but but it's worth it to go deeper because it's going to grow your your faith going to grow your knowledge of god your love for god um and and your ability to communicate with others you know Agreed. Is it my turn? Yeah, sure. Okay. I'm going to skip the next one because you literally answered it in your first question. I might come back to it. All right. What is wrong with Gordon Clark? Uh, Nothing's wrong with Gordon Clark. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Me. He he tends he tends to put a focus on on axioms, but he's really good on the negative aspects of things. So, uh, I, we we would talk about 
as as uh, Vantelian Bonds Knights, uh, we would we would focus more on transcendental argumentation, where he would uh, say, "No, we we just take axioms, the, the, the axioms are, are th- things th- things granted that aren't provable." So uh, you know the, the things like um, I, I I can communicate. That that's just something that has to be assumed. Uh, uh, one plus one equals two. It, it's it's assumed that's correct. There's no there's no scratch test you can do for that. You 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 put two blocks apart. You put them together. You've you've changed nothing. Uh, you can't falsify it. So you know, on, what do you do with that? Well, he would just say. You, well, you assume it. You assume it because that's what people do. It, you're not just talking to the, the the person in the ivory tower who's sitting there talking about, uh, you know, I I, uh, I I remember in Calc two, we were talking about uh, uh, the, the the two mathematicians were were going to write books and and prove all these theorems, these base theorems, and they said, we're going to start with the easiest one, which was one plus one equals two, and they said. Here's all the listed assumptions that we have to build out so much so that they were on like book three by the time they were just starting with the equal sign. So he says, let's not get bogged down in that. Let's go for uh, um, it. It's properly basic to believe that God is real. What do you have against that? And so he would then knock down the negative argumentation. So it's it's. It's almost uh, reformed epistemology uh, takes that. Uh, I, th- I mentioned on the show a number of times uh, of, of fi- five views of apologetics. It, it's 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 probably it's if if you're gonna just choose one counterpoint Zonder Van book, uh, th- that's the one to do uh, because it's so well perfectly matched. Everyone is respectful, uh, except they all kind of dump on reformed epistemology. And uh, uh, I think uh, it's Kelly. I, I could be wrong. Um, yeah. He he doesn't uh, do the best uh, uh, service for for his uh, his uh, his point, but um, that that one's really books. done. And so Fr- Frame takes the he's he's Vantillion, but he's also uh, someone who's uh, more light. And um, uh, Bonson has talked about him in his uh, his hidden hidden book. Uh, sorry, not Frame, but uh, but Clark. And and critiqued him. This was the uh, the we, we cleaned out Bonson's office and we f- found this hidden manuscript that he didn't finish, and so we're going to finish it. So he talks about uh, Gordon Clark, Edward Carnell, and Francis Schaeffer um, in critiquing their presuppositional uh, viewpoints. Mm. And so Clark, he's I think he writes uh, like sixty pages against. <laughs> Well, you know, and and de- depending on what uh, uh, Joel McDermott uh, edited uh, in there as well. So, um, the the critique in presuppositional apologetics is stated and defended for Bonson is probably going to give you a way better uh, smackdown of of what Clark is based on my presentation. And uh, I, I'd probably get thrown out of a few Facebook groups if I didn't say something negative about Clark. But um, I I don't, I, you know. I'm, I'm just on that base level, where I just I, I just want the why can't we all get get along? I'm I'm the I'm the Rodney King of apologetics. <laughs> I think uh, here I stand. I can do no other. Yeah. <laughs> where 
I can see negatives of everyone's aspect, and it's it'll be funny once we get to um, reformed apologetics uh, from our authors in the book Faith Has Its Reasons. Um, it'll be hilarious to see what their negative ones are because I've I've read them before to other people, and I think we're in the clear. I don't think I don't think the the, the worst set things that the said said against us. I don't want to spoil it. The worst things that could be said against us are are not the worst things. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I just I I've always I, so I've not read any Gordon Clark. I need to I need to read him, but I found um some of his uh some of his followers uh some of the things they've said that I found like I kind of I'm on I kind of like that I kind of I kind of uh feel that um but then I'm like I also am just like. Their criticisms about Van Til, I just don't even remember what they were, um, and so I, I, and so I've been kind of following you along, uh, Bonsonite Vendillion lines, and and frame, and I'm just like, man, I like this stuff, uh, but like, the the thing, there's a few things that I hang on to about like the Clarkians said that I'm like, I actually really think I agree with that. Like for instance, they would, re- uh, he would reject, um, the Fiducia aspect of faith that that faith is trust um that actually he would say that that's that that actually turns it into a work i'm not sure if i go that far um but but saying like no it faith is he, you know one of the things that you hear a lot of people say is that faith isn't just um uh mental assent and he say no no but it is that's what it is it's a mental assent to the propositions the true propositions of, of the gospel um which have to include that not only that Jesus died and rose again, but that he died and rose again to save me from my sins. You have to assent to that. That's what, that's what, hap- uh, what happened. Um, and we we're justified by belief alone. They would want to clarify justified by belief alone, um, you know, because faith carries that fiducia element. And so they would say, no, it's by belief alone. And I'm like, I kind of, I kind of drive with that. I think, I think that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and then, and then yeah. the whole concept of scripture as our base, um, as, as the base, what is it? Scripture as our base axiom or something like that. Or, uh, I, I'm right. like, yeah. no, that, that, that makes sense to me too. That's just kind of a couple things that I've, I'm like, I don't, I don't know if that makes me a full Clarkian or if it's just like those two things I've heard those. And I'm like, no, I think, I think he's right about those. It, it would because, because for, for Bonson, um, he, 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 he wants to, uh, get out of the vicious circle of circularity. And so um, Clark is just saying, listen, we, we, we all exist there. And um, yeah, you could have a negative approach against this, but I'll have a negative approach against whatever uh, you, you're just claiming based, uh, you know, Mr. Unbeliever, uh, based on whatever you want. So, oh, uh, you just assume other minds exist, uh, but you don't have no basis for that. But you 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 either accept it or you don't. And if you don't, why do you, why are you talking to me? And so uh, he would he would take the negative aspect of that. Where then uh, Bonson would want to transcend and say by kind of assuming uh, if 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 uh, if we were to assume all the things of Scripture, then we're we're essentially um, uh, we are essentially um, uh, to, to 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 reject it would be to assume its uh, um, prepositions. So. Um, he he gets us out of the vicious circle um, of circularity where where um, Clark is just okay uh, being it because he's going to accuse everybody of of doing that. That's right. Where Bonson wants to say, but 
Christianity is the only worldview that doesn't get you into that circularity. It's like, hey, baby, we're all vicious. <laughs> I, and I think, too, this is like, it, it's, it's where people get insufferability. <laughs> and it's like, it, there are important points. And, and you could fall negative on every aspect. But man, like, we don't have to give people the ammunition. And we don't have to think the worst thing about the person's position and, and critique it in the way that uh, we're almost wanting to look for the negative because then we're just getting into this, well, you know, if, if we're just assuming this, then you'll assume all of this. Well, let's just deal with the, the, the proposition on the table. Let, let's, let's talk about and critique it like good philosophers. And we just, we just don't, we're just not doing that. Sure. Sure. Sounds good. Um, okay. Uh, sorry. I, I, uh, Clark, uh, oh, terrible. Te uh, oh, man. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't believe we even talk about him anymore. And, Ugh. and, and, uh, <laughs> I, and, and now you, you know, I, 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 uh, what was it? What was the word I was using? Oh, shoot. I blanked on the word. I used it in the intro to both of the episodes from last week. <laughs> um, um, didn't not denial. Oh, shoot. Disavow, and disavow. you and you here disavow me, Iowa Cap, as a dirty <laughs> Clarkian. Uh, uh, I would say somebody else who <laughs> also appreciates him is uh, Eli Eli Alla from uh, Revealed Apologetics. A, a, a lot of times he'll he'll bring on um, uh, Clarkian people and just have a good episode about Clark, and and say yeah I disagree with him but he's still a brilliant brilliant person and so um, uh, th that that's someone who teaches in this realm that uh, I think offers a very well-balanced and Eli is just phenomenal person to, uh, to, to know. Okay. That's cool. All right. Um, do you want to ask one more? I've got one more. Okay. I, I think I've saved the most controversial question. Okay. So you and I are uh, classical uh, educators, uh, supporters, and, okay, sure. and we, we are, wanting all of our children to be educated in the best way possible. Mm -hmm. And of course that's through homeschooling. That's through some type of classical education because we want to make people who are, uh, uh, who know God and make him known through education and also use that in their world. So we want them to be well-rounded in their person. Uh, we want them to be well-prepared for their, role and current job uh, and, and going forward and being the best employer, employee, um, and, and, and all these things add to it. Except it, it seems like all you want to do, Josh, for, for the women folk is get them married very young and all that education just goes out the window because all they're going to be doing is just using that education to educate the, the men that they birth and they're just at home not barefoot and pregnant, but you know, socked, clothed, and uh, and and just just being homemakers, who who aren't really doing much of anything. They're not they're they're the ones that are sending them the men out in the world to do the big things. So we shouldn't really train the women, in in our educational, to just to to do much of anything other than to to teach our men. So as as a new father of of a girl, will you commit to uh, joining my two daughters? with 
uneducating them so that they can at least educate them enough to educate the men in the world that will come and marry them and then be birthed from them. First of all, there are some assumptions in that question, like <laughs> the assumption that my, that, that the women aren't supposed to be barefoot. Um, I didn't agree to that. Uh, and, and, and you are correct. They should not be educated, but moving on. Uh, okay, good. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> I just, I love how, I love how the phrasing, and I know you're, you're, you're being, you're being, uh, yeah, I know, I know what you're doing. Uh, but like, I love that phrasing of like, all they're going to do is educate the next generation. Yeah. That's all they're going to do. Yeah. That's yeah. They're just going to raise up the next generation of men. Yeah. That's all they're going to do. Like that's like, that's such a small thing, you know, <laughs> like I remember that that is that meme of like, I have, I have worked my whole life in the field of science. And then the other, other, it's a trad wife across says I raised five scientists and like, it is, yeah, like, I mean, who's doing more like in, in that situation? I think, no, absolutely. Women should be, women should be educated because for one thing, um, I want them to be a formidable, uh, uh, couple coupling. Like, I don't want them to be married off to the weakest. Like I want my son-in-law to earn my daughter's hand by being dedicated to the scriptures and to dedicated to, to intellectual greatness and to, to, and to strong strength of, of providing for a woman who is going to raise wise, intelligent, mighty, uh, sons and, uh, formidable daughters for marriage. Like, like both. I want, I, I want the second, I want my third generation to be amazing. I want generational faithfulness, even from those who are not taking my name. I, I want, um, I want to make sure that she's not going to be married off to some idiot. Um, you know, that I want to, I want to know that the one that the man who earns my daughter's hand is going to keep up with and outpace her. And I, so I want that to be a great man. Um, and so I kind of, so for one thing, there's that, but other thing, like, like as if that's a small thing of, of educating the next generation, like that's, that's huge. This is where we, you know, uh, you know, my, um, this is, where long-term success in Christianity comes from is wise, intelligent women raising wise, intelligent men and women, you know, for, for the raising that next generation. And so I think, you know, like, like the just in that, I know it's just such a silly question, silly part of the question, like as if that's such a small thing, like this is, this is the reason that we've been losing as Christians for so long is that we keep giving away our children to our enemies and they keep educating them to hate us. And, and you know, then you've got like the, there's like, I saw that TikTok recently of like, um, it was, I watched it on YouTube, not on TikTok, just to be clear. Um, but of like the, you know, some people have a children's table. We have a Democrat table at our, <laughs> our Thanksgiving. And I was like, well, how does that happen? It's because you send all these kids to, to, uh, educational institutions that hate you and they're teaching that. And why are they at a different table? Because they can't stand to be at the same table with you. Like you did that. <laughs> like we want to raise wise, intelligent women raised in the classical education so that they can do the raising because generational faithfulness and generational education and evangelization is what's going to give us long-term success as Christians in this world. It's what's going to take this nation back to, for Christian values is um, outbreeding them, yes, but more importantly, out discipling them. And so I want to make sure that my daughter 
is raising up formidable uh, children, children who are ready to to take on this world. Like I'm, you know, like I think my my, uh, my uh, um, former brother now um, now hated enemy. Um, Jeff Park said it well um, <laughs> when he was saying, like you know, like arrows are weapons, and so if our children are are arrows. They're meant to be deployed as weapons. This is our warfare. Our way of, of warfare against the powers of darkness in this world is by raising up godly offspring. And that's going to take godly women and who are wise and, and, and are skilled with, their, with, with the use of scripture and the use of, of um, their mind. And so, yeah, I will be educating my daughter to run circles around the the losers who aren't uh, who aren't studying and 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 make sure that whoever marries her earns her hand and and is ready to do the work to uh, to to help her to raise the next generation of warriors. You know, um, so I would say even argue, I would even argue that that makes education of women even more important. They're going to be like you know my men are going to, it's important that they know the truth because they're going to go into the world and provide for their families and interact with the world and try and build culture and try and build, you know, build something. You know, I think uh, it's, it's, uh, it's good to be a man talks about, which I think is on the shelf. Um, ta- yeah, it's right there. Um, talks about how a man has to have a mission. It's right. Uh, literally right there. Got it. Talks about every man needs to have a mission and that's, um, and so they need to be educated to, to perform that mission. They're going to change the world. They're going to change culture through that. Not like my children in particular, but the next generation of, of godly men are going to do that. Um, but I would argue that that makes the education of women even more important because they're going to be the ones setting the groundwork for future, for future men. We're going to, to, we're going to be the next generation of warriors. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and this, this idea of, of, women aren't working uh is is also yeah. foreign i mean yeah we, we 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 always get brownie points by by uh, uh comparing proverbs 31 to to our, our women folk uh but there she's got a job so yeah. what are you doing lazy person without without socks on get those socks on and so it, it's one of those things where me i i've got a small business and i i wouldn't have that small business without the pushing of my wife I mean, yeah. it it literally is because of her that we're able to homeschool. And when her her last job um, folded, it was like godly timing for her coming alongside and and just doing part of the work. And we were leaving money on the table, and now she's able to 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 pick that up. And yeah. so I'm now have a family business yeah. <laughs> where I can also then add my daughters to it totally. and it's a it's a skill it's a yeah. skill that if if they want to go out and do things th- this idea of of i don't want to say wage slave because that devalues uh you know working for other people but it's it's not a it's not a thing that we have to always do now i mean there there are there are reasons that we have 1099s and and contractors and and, and all these things mm-hmm. and and starting small businesses and and being able to to know okay if if everything collapses can can we still raise a family up or you know are we able to 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 know the things that are knowable and and then pass them on and there i mean you know the 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 system collapses well 
there'll there will be a system in place and it's just who 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 will be be able to you know ed- educate those those people that that go out from from the collapse yeah. Yeah. uh but it's also you know probably not that grave of a, of a thing all the time uh you know rome fell and then you know people just went away from there for a little bit and and then the barbarians took over and then we had to educate the barbarians so so there's there's always that need and so um th- that that's where you know the 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 women then can uh find those areas that are fulfilling to them that are just outside the the normal purview which uh of course uh we're going to say that the the, the main priority is the home, the children, us. Uh, and we're also going to say that our main priority is the home, the children, her. And I would say probably her, the home, or the children, the home there uh, in, in, in priority. Um, it's always the, the, the giving to her uh, the way that Christ gave to us, which was everything and self-sacrificially. Um, but, uh, but man, having educated people to be able to work alongside of you and be able to pick those up and you know i i want my daughter to, to if she if she wants be, be the next video editor or if she doesn't like that next uh programmer and and so all those things are are available to her and having a better education than any number of her peers right now uh you know uh, uh, doing multiplication yeah. just entering third grade where i'm like man i remember doing flashcards left and right and she's singing me uh you know six times four and and 24 clocks are on the door and come on dad don't you know that right away and like well, no i remember seven times seven is 49ers and that's probably the only sports metaphor that i know to be able to remember that so so you know she's she, she's got this down pat and where i was you know struggling with it uh even in private school for her so um and that's great like we we definitely want to have our children surpass us um you know the the the, the death of the parent is is uh, is known to the parent and so uh we just try to hide that from them a little bit longer and then uh and hopefully they roll their eyes but just not as as, as much as us uh at us uh when they get 13 14 15 and yeah. still love us and cuddle i mean i'm in the era of stay at home of of working from home where that's becoming more and more readily available mm-hmm. like, there's no reason why a proverbs 31 woman can't do both right. of like a right. kind of some kind of a contractor contract work at home and homeschool the the kids um or or do or or yeah like you know family businesses i think are such like that's that's if you want to talk based in trad that's based in trad it's family businesses that that uh you know the husband's taking the lead but the the wife is helping and 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 multiplying the labor yeah yeah or or just just uh you know uh, hey there's 1800 school curriculums out there please somebody help me get started. Well, here, I've been through 80 of them. I have this knowledge base. Let me put out a few YouTube videos. All of a sudden, you're just breaking in the cash from what I hear from people who make a living on YouTube. Hey, if, if anyone knows how to get them ducats, let me know. I'm looking for <laughs> looking to supplement my income right now. Uh, I'd like to get off the line at Shamamagon as soon as possible. Um <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I, I don't, I, I, I have, I could formulate one last question. Um, so, okay. Um, 
Okay. What is the Kalam cosmological argument, and why should I care about what some Muslim said about God? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's the best thing the Muslims ever did. <laughs> Besides, give yeah. uh, Jeff well, Bark money. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> we'll give you North Africa, but you have to you have to uh, you have to write this down, and then William Lane Craig has to populate it uh, years later. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, the, the Kalam argument is a cosmological argument, and I'm just pulling up to make sure I have it all set because it's it's very simple, and uh, it's it's not the the be all end all of argumentations, um, but essentially it says that uh, for everything that began to exist uh, has a cause, right? So uh, you're playing pool, uh, you're about ready to sink the eight ball and win. I think that's how you play pool. Well, how did you get there? Well, you sink all the solids because you're solids and what happened before that well you put the ball the cue ball down and you knocked it into all 16 uh 15 of, of the balls uh wh what happened before that well you pulled the stick back well what happened before that you took the stick off the rack and so we can just go back and back because for everything that uh began to exist as a cause the effect of it is seen so what was the effect to that and so going back that's that's the um the, the origin point. And so uh, what the Kalam says is that uh, the universe had a, had uh, a, a, a began to exist. Therefore, it had to have a cause. That's really just all it says. So did the universe have a, a beginning? Well, up until about the 30s, uh, or at least 20th century, uh, the solid state theory of the universe was was the big one. And then uh, we had background radiation, the redshift, uh, the, the Big Bang came into prominence. And, and there you had uh, mainstream scientists uh, go for what Christians have always said, which is the universe at a beginning. And uh, there's been a lot of people that have tried to get away from this uh, for per, uh, particular reasons. And we came up with A theory of time and B theory of time. Don't ask me to explain those, but most uh, philosophers believe B theory of time. Also, seems to be that they want to believe B theory of time because of all the implications that A theory of time have. Um, uh, Craig has some good articles on on that as well. And so, all it says there is uh, for everything that began to exist have a cause. Universe began to exist, therefore, the universe had a cause. There you go. Except we just capitalized the word C the capital C yeah. for cause. And we say the only thing that is able to cause the universe is something outside the universe. It has to transcend the universe. It has to be bigger than the universe. And it has to not be made of the same material uh, as the universe, but also has to be mental, also has to be personal. And this, this is where Craig delves down from there. So his initial point is a Kalam type argument. And then from there, he, he says, well, is, it, is that cause personal or impersonal? And I, I always get it mixed up, but I believe it's in a case for creator. He he takes those steps and re, and really shows the branching effect of that, and 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 points to God being that. So, how do we know the universe began to exist? Well, in in the normal scope of of our ideas of what time is, well, we can say, well, the universe has always existed, which means infinity uh, ha, has happened of time. Like the, there there's there's infinite time from beginning and end. It just has never run. The only problem with that is that, okay, let's go back 
a second. Let's go back 12 seconds. Let's go back infinity seconds, right? We can go back infinity seconds. Yeah. But then how do we go from infinity to the next one? Well, we have to traverse yeah. an infinity yeah. because that, yeah. that's all the way over there. Yeah. And so we can never get to this point that we're at right now. Yeah. And that's the issue is we're, we're here. We're having a progression of events yeah. and it's going to end because yeah. all things end. Yeah, um, totally. And so even if you believe in the, the full expansion and contracting, full expansion, contracting, well, what's it expanding and contracting into? Where did that expanding and contracting come yeah. from? And so, uh, and, then, and then you have to bring in other issues like um, the mind. You have to bring in other issues like uh, logic and, and, you know, uh, go around the other side of Jupiter and show me where the law of non-contradiction is. Well, uh, it's just a it's just a thing that humans came up with that uh, that helps us explain the universe. Okay, so well then the laws of logic aren't real, right? And so then we get into issues with that being the case. Well, then the car can yeah. be in the garage and not in the garage at the same time. Yeah, and it's just it's possible. Well, no, it violates the laws of logic. Well, no, those are just human ideas of 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 yeah. language yeah. uses. And so and then we have like uh, Krauss. Uh, uh, Why can't A be not Lawrence A? Krauss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we have Krauss saying, well, you know, uh, everything came from nothing. And then he says, well, um, uh, with these, these postules in, in, in a vacuum uh, spring out from nothing. And, and so, therefore, there you have uh, something come from nothing. Well, except it pops into the universe yeah. From, yeah. From, from the universe. And so, this doesn't yeah. just arise in nothing, out of nothing. Yeah. It just as a source and so it tries to to to, to cram in uh nothing with an asterisk well not really nothing because here's a whole book talking about why when i say nothing i mean actually something so <laughs> clum is important because it gives us that yeah. initial starting point and again um <laughs> go to cave of the cross youtube page look at all the people i mean my one of one of the biggest ones for this uh quarter for us has just been that short clip of the clom and people saying no one believes the clom anymore how, how can you be so stupid be a theory of time is clear the way although that's not how i exist in the real world and uh and it, it only takes the smartest people to believe something so contrived and so um yeah it, it just gets people thinking well okay we seem to live in a progression of events you know i started out as a child and then i got older and now i'm me so at some point i wasn't me and then i didn't exist well did the universe then for do the same thing that i did so yeah. it's it's a good uh at least yeah um again it's 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 that reason uh portion that the yeah. that classical is do well yes yeah, it's, it's it means the unmoved mover right it's just kind of a little bit adapted <laughs> right right and and so what what i don't give other people is go and Oh, but you have to prove that your God is even remotely existing to say he's the one. They just go, whoa, hold on, pause. We're not talking about that yet. That's like six steps down because yeah. you, you've got to give me those, those steps. And so yeah. um, all, all I'm talking about is before the universe uh, yeah. was, it wasn't. And we know that things happen to, to make things happen. And there was a thing that caused the thing to happen, which yeah. was everything. 
Yeah, that's one of the things that I, I you you picked up on something that I've I've thought before, and I'm but I've never been confident enough to tell to put it say out loud. But like, doesn't infinity move in both directions? If if we come from infinity and we go into infinity, like the fact that we have a now isn't that kind of impossible? You know, right. there's like well, and, infinite and, nothingness leading into something, then leading right. into infinite nothingness. So how do how did now ever happen? Because infinity just goes in both directions. Yeah, you know? it's it's one of the things that I argue against Mormonism with is they say from eternity to an eternity. So they mean from now into a long period of time from now and then a longer period of time from now. How many gods are? Well, there's so many that we can't number them. There's actually probably infinity gods. Well, okay, at some point in time there was a single god at first, right? Mm, yeah. And and so they're like, well, we don't know that. We just know this one. And it's like, but but that that's clearly the case. That's clearly implied by everything. And yeah. so we can think about those things. Well, yeah, we just weren't revealed those things. Okay, but you're going to have your own planet and you're going to be a god that infinity other gods have had. So an infinity number of gods or, or a very large portion, you want the universe to say uh, when a hydrogen and oxygen molecule mix, uh, it doesn't create rain, it creates puppies. <laughs> but another God says opposite. So how, how, how are you treated? How, how is that? Is, is there, is there infinity gods above rather than on, on this plane that then rule over this plane of gods? And then, so yeah, it's just difficult. difficult. Yeah. Way too many bosses. You're going to make a, but yes, you're a, right. Infinity yeah. goes both ways. And it's, it's one of the reasons why the multiverse uh, theory has come to fruition is because um, scientists who know a lot of things know how terrible life is to be created with all these it has to be this time and this right yep. you know it's not just the Goldilocks zone it's like it, talk about like individual cells and like you, you talk about yep. the, like the Miller-Urey experiments and it created these these three initial cells but in order for Urey and, and Miller to, to, to do their experiment they had to like pump pure oxygen through it they couldn't have uh this this uh murky uh primordial ooze that actually uh is is the leading theory and all these things have to happen perfectly right to create these three base things that you need 30 30 000 of them or three thousand of them to get to just the initial kind of planning of the first stage of life so okay if that's what it takes for for life well then how do we do one over infinity, which is infinity? So it's 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 almost unable to be done with evolution. And so we just know that if there are infinity universes out in the world, well then you have infinity over infinity, which equals one. And so it just so happens we live in the universe where evolution did occur and the perfect thing happened because it didn't happen in all those other worlds. I mean, it probably happened yeah. in other worlds too, because there's infinity of them. But then also, if there's infinity worlds, isn't it possible then that one of those worlds has a weapon to destroy all the other worlds? And why isn't that the case? So, yeah. In an infinite amount of worlds, there has to be at least one, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll have the incursion event. And then Marvel <laughs> will jump the shark and we'll never uh, write a good comic ever again. Right. Um, right. Dinosaurs oh, eat, man. Wow. Women inherit the earth and write comics. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, okay. Yeah. 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 I, this is good. And then, yeah, I, I think that's 
is, is always fascinating stuff, man. That's um, gosh, there was another thing, but I don't remember what it was. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's probably good to be to be done with this. So, uh, Patrick, thank you for uh, once again participating in a mutiny of, a, of the Atticus Bible study. Um, this time, writing the ship and putting it back on course. You know, it's like you you stole my position, and then it's like you gave it back as the helmsman of the sh- of the yeah. show. And so, so it's kind of like, you know, y- you know, it, you, you put things, you put things out of order, but you put things right. Um, the only thing that's and then left when you is two fight see- next week, the preambling is just going to be me. And then me talking <laughs> like, look at me, look at me. I am now the anarchist Bible study. <laughs> this is what happens when you don't have government in place to tell you who's in charge of your podcast. <laughs> spontaneous order my foot it's all patrick <laughs> i am the warlord <laughs> he is the warlord who took over the, who took over the podcast That's oh right. thank you uh once again and of course uh um next week i think jeff and i will be back doing revelation stuff and so uh make sure you check in with us uh with that and of course we're gonna be you know hopefully you've already if you haven't watched uh, preambling from yesterday um you can watch jeff's reaction to my video where i've also <laughs> posted my video by now uh so so you can enjoy that go go check it out and see the way that i roasted jeff and patrick uh so hard uh they will they may never recover in fact the only reason that patrick was willing to do this show with me is because he hasn't seen it yet um but <laughs> but uh and of course you know if you like please please like and subscribe share rate five stars tell a friend tell an enemy tell tell one of those atheists in uh patrick's comment section um tell someone who isn't who is an unmoved who should be moving um so you know one of those couch potatoes that needs to get up and and be calamed that's not right uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and if you really appreciate what we do and you want to support uh me uh, support us as a podcaster and me as a church planter um um you know I've, I've, I've had some people reach out to me and um as of right now the best way to support me is still to go to buymeacoffee.com slash flyover and uh you know offer you know one dollar three dollars five dollars ten dollars a month uh or a one-time donation would be greatly appreciated and uh get me off the shamamagon line my goodness, get me off. Um, but of course, most importantly, the most important thing you can do for us is please make sure to come back next week when we take Anarchy to Church here on the Anarchist Bible Study. Grace and peace. Peace and grace. In an infinite world, that would exist. <laughs>